Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. Lord, we've, we've come, Lord, to, to drink of the water of the Word, to eat of the bread of your revelation. Lord, we welcome you into this place. Holy Spirit, we just open ourselves to you and as yielded vessels for your glory and for your honor. Satan, we put you on notice. You're not welcome in this place. We bind you. We cast you out along with all spirits, not of the Holy Spirit. You're bound. We're loosed. You're cast out. And we're free. And we give you thanks and praise, Father, for the power that you've delegated to us. Father, we just deploy angels right now to stand around this place as your word is ministered to your people tonight, Lord. Lord, that we have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts and spirits to receive. We give you thanks and praise. Lord, manifest yourself tonight in a mighty way that we leave here differently than we came in. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we uh, took a little hiatus thanks to the flu season and uh, things of that nature. It's great to see everybody back and uh, those uh, who missed the podcast last week. Uh, sorry about that, but here we are back in the saddle again. We are doing a study on the book of Ephesians, our verse by verse, chapter by chapter study of the book of Ephesians. And last week, or last time we got together, we went through uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. Ephesus was kind of like saying it was a port city. It was a great, very busy place. A lot of people, the Romans would get all of the, uh, the, the goods from, uh, from Asia and uh, take them out through Ephesus onto Rome for all the uh, rich Romans and uh, royalty in Rome to enjoy. And today we're going to actually talk about being sealed with the Holy Spirit. Do you know that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit when you got saved? Some people interpret this in different ways and we're, we're going to talk about those different ways tonight. Leave it, leave it to man then we'll make a religious argument out of anything. Uh, open up your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, and go down to verse 13. And this is Paul, and he's, uh, he's writing to the Ephesians, or the church at Ephesus, which that time period, they were, they were worshiping, uh, not the church, of course, but Ephesus was a place where you had the, 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 the biggest temple of Diana, the goddess Diana, and all kinds of different types of, of beliefs were going on there. This whole gospel of Jesus Christ and this saved by grace through faith thing was a, a brand new thing to the folks at Ephesus. And Paul uh, was writing to them, to encourage them in the Lord. And the book of Ephesians does that. And it also talks about in the second half of the book of Ephesians about the power that we have in Jesus Christ. And of course, those of you that, that have spoken to me at any great length know that I, I just rejoice in the power that we have in the Holy Spirit. So here in, uh, in verse 13, it says, In Him, that being Christ, you also... From listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Now notice here, what we're doing here is we're talking about a process. So here it is, 
in him. Well, who's that him? It's Jesus, of course. So when you got saved, several things happened. You didn't just pray a prayer because uh, somebody said a, a, a very you know, moving sermon and, and, uh, and, and did an altar call and just made you feel like total garbage and showed you what a low life you were and how badly you were living up to that point. If that's what you got saved on, folks, let me tell you something. For those in Christ, there is no condemnation. That means blame, shame, or guilt. We are sinners by nature. This is how we were born. You didn't choose to be born this way. You were born this way. Every sinner needs a Savior. And to that end, that's why Jesus came and lived his life sinlessly so that we would not have to pay the ultimate price for sin, which is death. That is really what the whole idea of getting saved is about. It's not about, oh my gosh, I was a horrible, disgusting, despicable person wallowing in sin and just so lost and got... Hey, listen, if that works for you, great. But that doesn't work for everybody. Um, some of us were just lost and didn't, didn't know which way was up or down or what God was or should we believe in a tree or should we, should we you know, say om four times a day or, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that when you got saved, what actually saved you, Jesus said, no one comes to me lest my father call them first. So you actually were called. The fact that you happen to be sitting uh, at a church service or someone met you on a street team or, or, or you were in a Bible study or something and all of a sudden you just felt this urge to pray this prayer. Well, guess what? God moved time and space for you to hear that word that day and receive the revelation that you just couldn't do it anymore. That you're a sinner and that as a sinner, every man needs a savior. And that Jesus, him, with a capital H. He wants to do it for you. So in him, you also, after listening to the message of the truth, how many people here believe that the gospel is the truth? Amen? It is the truth, the only truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one. Now, those are pretty hard words to swallow when you consider how many religions and how many people are saying and all the folks are saying all roads lead to God and, and all this different thing. Listen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That is a very, very important point that we have the message of the truth, right? The gospel, which is the good news of your salvation. Now, what is this salvation? Well, salvation means that you're saved from a very, very, very hot time of renewing and of restoration, which you don't need to go through. It is just not necessary. Having also believed you were sealed in Him, which is in Jesus, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Let's turn real quick to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Some folks try and point out the Holy Spirit sealing as kind of like, you know, when you, when you go out and you, uh, you, you, you buy a bag of food and, and there's some left and you put some away. So you take some and you put it, you put it in your... Uh, 
in your uh, uh, magic sealer thing and you just kind of seal it closed. That's what some people try and make the gospel, this whole sealing of the Holy Spirit. You're sealed. You're encased in the Holy Spirit. But that's not accurate. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit lives within us. The seal of the Holy Spirit is like a stamp. Okay, back in that day, and, and remember, Paul was writing, of course, to the folks at, at Ephesus, which understood this is a port town, so they understood everything about, about seals. At that point, uh, if you were a, a rich nobleman or what have you, you would go and you would go shopping in the markets in, in Ephesus, and then you'd have a signet ring. Okay, and, uh, and I have, a, I have a, a corporate seal for my company that I use to mark important documents. And the signet ring, it was also used by, uh, by these noblemen or merchants uh, that, were, that were buying the stuff from Ephesus to take over to Rome. And what they would do is they would take the ring and they would stamp it into the wax. So when boxes or crates got to Rome, the slaves or the workers for that purchaser would come down to the docks and look and see, oh, that belongs to my master. That, that belongs to my master. You see, because his signet ring would put his seal on them. Now, this is important for you to remember as we move forward through the lesson tonight, because the seal does not stop you from anything. See, the Bible says that you were purchased. Okay, you were purchased for a price. What was that price? Well, Christ gave his life for you. In chapter 1, verse 14 of Ephesians, it says, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Now, what does that mean? The word pledge here, your uh, Bible may say earnest or, or, uh, or deposit. And what it is, is it, Christ gave his life for you and for me. Okay, and the Holy Spirit within us is kind of a down payment. If I have a, if I have a car that I'm selling and, uh, and I put it in the paper and you, you come over to my house and you read the paper and you say, hey man, I really like your car. I want to buy it. You say, okay, well, that's cool. And we agree on a price and all that. You say, but I got to go to the bank and I got to go get the rest of the money. I say, okay, well, that's cool, you know, but uh, are you going to give me a, a deposit or something so I can take the car off the market? Oh, no, I can't do that. Well, then, then I, I can't take the car off the market. I can't. Th this is not your car until you give me some sort of earnest or deposit or pledge stating that you are going to pay for this car. You're going to pay for it in full. How many of us, how many of you know you haven't received your full inheritance just yet? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. The Bible says to store your treasures in heaven. The, the streets of heaven are paved with gold. You understand? Store your riches in heaven. All these different things that speak about your inheritance. In, 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 my, in my father's house there are many mansions. This is a glorious place called heaven. That's your inheritance. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. We are adopted into his inheritance. He bought us for a price. He gave his life for us. 
And what he did was when he gave his life for us, he paid for our salvation in full. We now have an instant way of getting to Christ. The scripture says for man is once to live and once to die and then the judgment. And for the Christian, there is no judgment. There is no great white throne. There's the Bema judgment, which is a judgment of rewards for accomplishments in your Christian faith walk from the time that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Now, you accepted Jesus into your heart, right? And at the same time, several things happened. You heard the truth. You believed the truth. You accepted the truth because of the message you heard. And then you received the Holy Spirit. Now, just because you received the Holy Spirit, as we've learned before, does that mean that, that if you receive the Holy Spirit, that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? No, it doesn't. It just means that you have the Holy Spirit within you. And of course, you're going to see fruits of the Spirit, various fruits, kindness, and gentleness, and all these other fruits of the Spirit. But the gifts of the Spirit, of course, are activated when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you are given the Holy Spirit at the time of salvation. And at that time, you are sealed, okay, with the, the, the Holy Spirit. Just picture, he just kind of takes a stamp, puts it on your forehead, you know. But actually what he does is he puts that stamp on your spirit. But your, your body is not yet Redeemed. The Bible says that the good work he has begun in us, he will bring to completion. He, meaning Jesus, will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. So, in the day of Jesus Christ may be A, when he comes back to rapture his church or to take it away. Because you know Jesus is coming for his church one day. Or, it means that you... When you die, immediately go to Christ and the work he's begun in you, he immediately brings to, brings to fruition. Everything that he's done in you, he brings your body into perfect alignment. As a matter of fact, you get a new body, the scripture says, and you are a redeemed creature through and through in Christ. Right now, the only perfect thing in your life is your spirit. Everything else in your life is under construction. And I'll tell you, some of us have more construction to do than others. And this is why, even after you become a believer, you still deal with some of the things that you used to deal with in your past. But I digress. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And Henry, why don't you read us verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. Paul is, is telling the church at Corinth the same thing. You are not your own anymore. Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit as a down payment. This is his way of saying, listen, I'm going to go now, and I'm going to prepare the rest of your inheritance. But I am going to leave with you a promise. I'm going to leave with you a comforter, right? And that is the spirit of truth. Some folks try and say that this, that the sealing of the Holy Spirit means that you cannot lose your salvation ever. You just can't. And I'm here to tell you folks that while I believe it is extremely difficult 
to lose your salvation. We're going to talk about tonight this myth or this, this lie that says that you can't. Again, I, I want to restate for the record that it is very, 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 very difficult to lose your salvation. But it is possible, and I would never want anyone that at least was, was, was under this teaching to believe that, hey, I just, I went out and I prayed a prayer and now I can basically do whatever it is I want to do, you know, because I prayed this prayer. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Now he wrought us for this very thing, God who gave unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Earnest, again, is this down payment. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You don't belong to you anymore. If you, if you decide that you want to do something that is against God's word, what you're doing is you're falling away. You're moving away. And the scripture speaks very clearly of those that have fallen away. Jesus says, who is it that can take mine out of my hand? No one can take you out of God's hand. Because you know, people will, you know, Jesus said no one can take me. No. Some people walk away willingly. The power of the sin, whatever that sin may be, is so powerful in their life and they have not received that revelation of the Holy Spirit. This is why it's so vitally important that the believer not just be born again, but be born of the Spirit as well. The scripture says that the things of the Spirit are spirit and the things of the flesh are flesh. And we have a whole lot of folks out there that have made Jesus Savior of their lives verbally by their, by their confession of him, but have never made him the Lord of their lives. And Lord means Lord. Lord means everything. You are everything. The term Lord is not, is not only a spiritual word. The word Lord means quite literally the boss, okay, or the head, or the commander-in-chief, or the guy who gives the orders. You, Christian, Man are the Lord of your house. Sarah, ladies, used to call Abraham Lord. Isn't that interesting? How many women here within the sound of my voice would call their husband Lord? But wait a minute, fellas. How many of the guys here would be deserving of the term Lord? Because Lord doesn't only mean the boss. Hey, I'm the big dog around here. I'm the big boss. But also it means responsibility. See, when you're under lordship... Okay, you don't worry about a thing. Everything is done for you. The Lord tells you when to come. The Lord tells you when to go. He tells you when to eat. He tells you when to sleep. He tells you when to drink. He tells you when to stand up, sit down, take a bath, do whatever it is you do. Now, obviously, ladies, I don't expect that this is the way your husband is going to deal with you. Because after all, the Lord that we as men are to walk and act like is our Lord Jesus. And Jesus doesn't tell anybody when to stand up, sit down, go to sleep, wake up, and all that stuff. It's not that kind of servanthood. But the point that I'm making is that it should be that we are following 
Christ's every command. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. And that's not just the 10. That's, that's everything that he preached to his disciples while he was here. And everything you read in the Gospels. And obviously the, the 10 are, the, are, the, are the, uh, the outline. But there were many, many words of wisdom and, and words of better living that Christ gave us to live. Amen? So here we, we talk about falling away. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. D, why don't you do us the privilege? For in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls upon it and brings forth vegetation, useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorn and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. Pretty sobering words, wouldn't you say? Does this sound like someone that believed Jesus, that was those who were once enlightened? Okay, weren't we enlightened when we received the gospel? Those who have tasted the heavenly gift? You see, become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God. These are believers, y'all. This is a scary, scary thing for us. Now again, I don't think that you can be walking down the street and you see a pretty young thing walking by and, you know, or somebody cuts you off in traffic and you decide to, uh, you know, to, to say something derogatory about their generations or what have you. I, you. That doesn't mean that's it. Forget it. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're out of here. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe that if for those people who get into the occult um, after becoming believers, get into Satan worship, get into doing things like uh, uh, murdering people or committing murder, uh, all of these different things, and you say, yeah, but Mikey, come on now, that, that person wasn't saved to begin with. No, 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 au contraire. The scripture here makes it pretty clear that they were once believers. They were once enlightened. They wouldn't be enlightened if they hadn't received the word, right? Sinning willfully after they received the knowledge of the truth. The scripture says clearly, judge not lest ye be judged. Okay, and what the true meaning of that, of the scripture is, is condemn not lest ye be condemned, or damn not, lest not ye be damned, okay? Which means I can't look at anybody and say, oh yeah, oh, that person's going to hell for sure. Oh yeah, forget it, There's no hope for them, uh-uh, they're going to hell for sure. No, that, that's condemning, and there's only one who condemns and only one who gives eternal life, and that ain't me, right? But, but, we are called, on the other hand, to be fruit inspectors. Jesus said you can tell a tree by its fruit. Okay? So I would tell you, looking at this, okay, if you are having an affair, 
If you are swindling money from your boss, if you are stealing, if you are cheating on someone, if you are doing something that you know is wrong, and A, you either don't have a conscience about it, or B, you just continue to do it over and over and over, listen, I would strongly suggest that you take that to the Lord in prayer and ask for your deliverance. Because this is a potential for losing your salvation. I didn't say it. I think we read that pretty darn clear here. Does anyone disagree with that statement? God's not playing around, folks. God is a loving God. But God is not going to be mocked. Turn in the same book of Hebrews here. Hebrews gets pretty heavy duty, man. And we're going to study that. But I just... (laughs) I figure it's it's heavy enough to go where we're at right now. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Ouch. That does hurt. It really does. Becoming entangled again in the pollutions of the world. It is a horrible, horrible thing. Don't think you're, you're a Christian, but you don't live in a vacuum. This is why you need, to, you need to stick so close to the Holy Spirit and stick so close with God. Because it really, I mean, folks, the world we live in, let me tell you, sin is one of those things that feels good for a little while. And those of us all that are here, we all know it because we were all out there living a life of sin. See, the difference is we're all still sinners. Amen? But we don't live for sin. I remember when I was in in the world, I used to wake up coming up trying to come up with new ways to sin. Trying to get creative and stuff, man. Hey, how could I I out-swindle or out-scam or out-sin my neighbor today? You know? And, and now, of course, we look at the things that we used to do and they revile us. Oh man, Lord, how, how did I do that? And then how could I be so audacious to come to you and tell you, Lord, here's my whole life like I was giving you a present. We deal with a very deceptive enemy. One who comes disguised as an angel of light. One who comes talking the right things and looking the right way and smelling the right way and speaking the right way. And the Bible says that that there's a path that looks right to a man, but in the end leadeth to destruction. And this is exactly what we're talking about here. You've heard me talk before about how do you boil a frog? Well, the way you boil a frog, of course, you don't just take the frog and, you know, put your, put your, uh, your, your pot on the fire and put the, the, the fire at full force and then just throw the frog in there because the frog will jump out, right? No, 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 no. You take the frog and, you know, you calm him down and, you know, talk to him real nice and pet him on the back and warm up the water just so till it's nice and warm. And then you put him in there and you keep the fire going. And as the frog is falling asleep, you turn up the fire a little bit more and you turn it up a little bit more and eventually the frog will fall asleep and the fire will keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter and sooner or later before that frog knows it, he's dead and boiled because he did not realize the subtlety of you know, what happens when you just start playing with sin 
Some people, I mean, we've, we've been through counseling that we see people that just say, well, you know, I, I, I got saved and, and I was walking right with the Lord and, 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 and I just thought I'd go out one night, you know, just with some old friends and I, and I thought I'd minister to them. <laughs> you ever gone out to the happy hour to minister to your buddies? I know plenty of Christians that do. Oh yeah, well, I'm not going to go drink or anything, but I'm going to go minister to them. I'm going to go out to the, the club to go minister to some folks. Really, are you? Okay. There's better places to go, but that's where the Spirit leads you. <laughs> but we better question what Spirit that is that's leading you. Amen? But we've dealt with so many folks in, 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 in this type of scenario where they go out and they think that it's going to be okay. And no. It, it, says, it says in the book of Hebrews that it's impossible. That they've, they've put Christ to an open shame. You see, and... What does that mean? Well, it means that they can't go back again. They can't go back and, and receive Jesus again. You can't, well, I'm just going to throw this whole Jesus thing off and I'll throw it back on next week. Jesus isn't a dirty shirt. You don't just throw Jesus off and throw him back on. In verse 8, it says it pretty clear. Well, in verse 7, first it starts talking about ground that's tilled to receive the seeds and that it's blessed. And, but the ground that isn't. But if it yields thorns and thistles, you know that thorns and thistles in the believer's life represents sin, right? It is worthless and close, that's an important word, close to being cursed, okay? Close. And it ends up being burned? Why do that? Oh, God is sitting up there waiting to throw people into a lake of fire. No, he's not waiting to do that. Again, this is not a thing where, where, where God kicks you out. Again, it's, it's, it's like the, 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 the folks that have not received the, uh, the, that have not received Jesus to say, well, who is God to determine, you know, who comes and who doesn't or whatever? Well, do you want to go see Jesus? Well, no. Well, then what are you worried about? You never cared anyway. But I've never seen Jesus turn anybody away. And I've never seen Jesus kick anyone out of the kingdom. You see, the scripture says, today before you, I put blessings and curses. Which one will you choose? Which one will you choose? So really, we have will. There is no such thing as free will. Free will means that there's absolutely no consequence for your decision. Okay? So free will is out the door. But there is will. You do have freedom of choice. You don't want to choose this, this, this scenario that we're talking about here. Turn with me to... 2 Peter, chapter 2, verse 20. Sean, why don't you read us verse 20 here. If after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Now you see, the last state, because... Before you came to Christ, okay, you didn't understand what you were doing. You were lost in your sins. The scripture says you were lost in your sins, okay? But if you were lost in your sins and then you came to Christ, you received the revelation of your sins, amen? So you weren't lost to what sin was anymore. Now you've got the revelation of what, what it was, but now you decided to turn around and say, well, you know, I, I kind of miss my sin a little bit. And 
there's, I mean, this is such a serious thing because people sit there and say, well, you know, they just blank out, oh, once saved, always saved. That's it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer. You know, you, Jesus came and he gave his life and you just pray this prayer and you're good, dude. You just go on with your life. No, 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 no. Do you realize that Paul's letters here to the Galatians, Paul's letters here to Ephesus, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, they were all to believers. Now, if a believer's salvation was so secure, why would Paul talk about this? Why would Peter talk about this? You know, well, maybe Paul's in error. You know, maybe Paul got a, you know, maybe Paul got a wrong message from the Holy Spirit. But I assure you that Peter didn't. I mean, Peter hung out with the dude himself. I mean, when Christ went up to the mountain and did the whole transfiguration thing, he took Peter up with him. And he took John and James up with him. So Peter was one of Jesus' intimates. So obviously, this whole thing of falling away, and we're going to we're, we're gonna get to what Jesus says about it in a minute. But right now, let's just talk about what, what Paul is saying about it. So here, do you know, and, and, and we can define 22, <laughs> 22 specific sins that can keep you out of heaven. And again, keep in mind that this is that this is to believers. Turn to in 1 Corinthians to chapter 6. And Henry, why don't you read to us verses 9 and 10 in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians? Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, but wait, wait, don't, don't go anywhere. Let's turn to Galatians for a minute. And I want you to read, so we can then just go in and talk about all of them here. Go read um, chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, hold on. So Paul could have made a mistake one time, right? He could have, when he wrote to, to the church at Corinth, you know, he, he, may have, he may have made a mistake, right? But now he's repeating it to the, to the Galatians and to the, to the folks at Galatia, and, and, and he, he also said it to the folks at Ephesus. Are we seeing a pattern here? You see, now I'm not talking about, because, you know, when, when I was preparing for this study, I discussed, I discussed with someone about this stuff. He says, but yeah, Mikey, but man, I do this stuff all the time. Does that mean that I'm going to hell? Does that mean that I'm not going to be accepted in Christ? No, it's, this is a perpetual deal. This is, hey, I don't care what the scripture says. I'm going to do this. And you know, I can't judge. And this is the thing. I can't tell you the ABCs to losing your salvation. Okay, and I can't tell you if anybody in this room, you know, can or can't or has or hasn't. Hey, I'm too busy, A, worrying about my own salvation. Amen. But B, it's not for me to determine because I can't see anybody's heart. 
See, only God knows the heart of man. And this is why I tell you it's so important that when you find yourself walking in these things, you need to really go to the Lord. For example, homosexuality. Okay, does that mean that every person that was homosexual is going to hell? No. Those who practice the things that homosexuals do, okay, sodomy and the such. See, this is rated PG here. We, can, uh, we don't have any little kids here, so we can talk about these things out in the open. Right? Those folks are in some serious error because my scripture says in a couple of places that they will not be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. Yet we have denominations that are ordaining these people and calling them pastors and priests and all of these different things. And guess what? The anointing travels downward. Do you understand that those that are, that are overseers over you can lead you into the pit right with them? This is why you need to check the spirits. Listen, folks, if I say something from this pulpit that does not agree with you, A, I would suggest you take your Bible out, look it up, bring it before the Lord, and then come to me and say, Hey, Mikey, you know, I heard you saying something the other day, and look here in the book of whatever. And it doesn't agree with that, and I don't understand that, or I believe that you're in error. And, and you are not going to get away from, hey, I'm the man of God and you're not. God has given me a special revelation that is not in his word. No, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that everything that God has to say to man is in his word. And he's watching over his word to perform it. So there is no way that if I from this pulpit or any other man or woman from their pulpits preach anything else that's outside of this word, outside of this scripture, outside of this Bible, let him be accursed. The scripture says anyone that changes a word of this scripture, let him be accursed. Amen? And when you're out there and you're saying it's okay to ordain homosexuals, it's okay to marry them, it's okay that people live in sin, it's okay that they practice these things, it's okay if you go out and you get drunk every once in a while and then you go out and you repent for it, it's okay if you slap your wife around from time to time or if you have a thing going on with the secretary because she's kind of hot, you know, or whatever. I mean, after all, God's a forgiving God, right? No. God is a forgiving God, amen, but God will not be mocked. And those who practice these things continuously are mocking God. And let me tell you, it's not a great place to be. The scripture says that it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I'd rather fall into the arms of a loving Savior, amen, than a living God. Because see, what happens is, and, and, and don't get me wrong, God and the Savior are the same thing, but they're, they're two entirely different connotations. See, the way we come to God, Father God, is in the arms of our Savior. Father, He's mine. Cool. Any son of His is a son of mine. Welcome to the kingdom. But if you come to God on your own, without the Savior, you fall into His hands. You, you don't have an advocate. Do you know that Jesus is our advocate in the Father? To the Father? Every day. Whenever the enemy comes and says, Hey, Mikey did this! And Mikey did that! And Jesus said, I paid for that, Father. He says, okay, that's fine. Mikey did this! Mikey did that! I paid for that. Okay, no problem. But if Mikey goes out and says, Ah, you know, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to pull this one, or I'm going to pull that one. 
and just do what I want to do and just throw Jesus aside. I mean, you can't take the Holy Spirit off, folks. You can't take him out from it. I can't reach into my chest here and pull the Holy Spirit out. I can only kick him out. I can only say, I don't want this Holy Spirit anymore. I don't want this Christ anymore. Heaven forbid. It, it grieves me just to even say it. You see? But no, God is a loving God. God would never do that. And, and anyway, I mean, I look at my life. I mean, everybody knows what a good Christian I am. Really? Let me show you something. Turn to the book of Matthew. Uh-oh. Now we're getting to the words of Jesus here. Chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. D, would you do us the honor? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Let's dissect that. Okay, first of all, people say, well, but wait a minute. Those are people that never, that never believed Christ to begin with. That they, they never got saved to begin with. No, wait a minute. He's, that's not what he's saying here. He said, Lord, Lord, Right? It says that they called me Lord, Lord. They cast, they, we cast out demons in your name. We healed people in your name. All these different things that they did in his name. How do you do that? Well, let's, let's talk about the whole thing first about casting out demons and all that. You know that, you know that uh, there, there's a couple of places in the scripture where it's very clear that it has to be a believer to cast out a spirit. Okay, first is the, the, of course, the famous story of the sons of Sceva that decided that they were going to go have themselves a devil booty kicking contest. So they went to, uh, they, they went to uh, the local possessed guy and uh, they went in there and they said, we command you to come out of him in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Right? And what did that, what did that demon do? He said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? <laughs> Decided he was going to... And they left the house, seven of them, naked. Buck naked. That's sick, man. Buck naked. Okay? That's proof number one. So, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. No doubt Jesus is the Savior and Paul is the saved. Amen? Okay? So, Jesus, they know. Paul, they know. They, they marveled. The disciples marveled because when they went out and, and, and Jesus blew on them and they received the Holy Spirit, they marveled because even the demons obey us. Wow. Right? Then there was a time where the, uh, where the Pharisees sat there and said that Jesus was casting out spirits by the power of Beelzebub. So basically what they're saying is that he was using the devil to cast out the devil. Okay, and, and some people say that this is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's pretty darn close. I would just say that that's a very hardened heart and a very stupid mind. But 
and, and that, that's about as harsh as I'll be with that. I, I, I don't know if that's straight up blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. and we'll, we'll study it sometime and see if that ends up being that. But at very minimum, what it proves, and Jesus said there, is that a house cannot be divided unto itself. Meaning, Satan can't cast out Satan, man. You see? So, and, and what do I tell you this for? Well, Scripture, Scripture builds upon Scripture. You see what I'm saying? So if you only find it in one place, then chances are you're kind of twisting the Word of God to meet your, you know, whatever your sermon title is. <laughs> Whether you're preaching to a crowd or you're preaching to your wife or you're preaching to your friend or maybe even preaching to yourself. Looking for justification, amen? For whatever it is that you want to do. But the fact is that Scripture builds upon Scripture. Okay? And it, said, and, and, and it says here that we cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick, right? But Jesus said, get away from me. I never knew you. Those who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness. So to, you, you got to know what the law is to be able to practice lawlessness. These folks here, they knew what lawlessness was because they had tasted of the kingdom. They had tasted of the Holy Spirit. They had cast out spirits. They cast out demons. You know you cannot cast out demons, okay, unless you're getting a revelation from the Holy Spirit. It just doesn't happen. Okay, so these are people that were that were born again, spirit-filled people that had fallen away. Or in other words, fallen from grace. Remember we talked about grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Paul wrote to, to the Galatian church. This is a, a church that was having a lot of problems um, with fornication and with other doctrines and false gospels getting into the church. I mean, this church was a mess. You know, at one point Paul said, who's bewitched you? You know, who seduced you? And again, it goes to show that, hey, listen, even a believer can be seduced. The scripture says that we need to be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. But wise as a serpent means you need to be slick, man. You need to know. You know, I, I tell people, we, we work, uh, 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 you know, I, I, I run a computer company. And, uh, and we have programmers. And our software, because we work with blind folks, um, and blind folks need computers in a bunch of different places. And of course, not every place, every computer place in the world is made for a blind person. So our software is as much doing things by the book as it is hacking at, at, at certain pieces of software to just kind of rig it to work, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty popular for saying to people, you know, the difference between a hacker and a good programmer is ethics. It's the same thing between a cop and a criminal. The best cop in the world is a criminal with a sanctified mind. You see, so again, we're to be as gentle as a dove, but as wise as a serpent. And don't fall away from grace. Grace is what keeps this whole thing together. When you find yourself getting too far out there, check yourself. Brothers and sisters, that means that we need to hold each other accountable. Accountability in your Christian faith walk is so important. It is so deadly important, and it is deadly important. Because you're, you're talking about somebody's salvation. You can't drag anybody to church. You can't drag anybody out of doing sin. 
But you can certainly hold them accountable to what they're doing. And you can say, hey, listen, you know, you call yourself a Christian. Should you be doing that? Should you really be doing that? Should you be hanging out with that person? Should you be speaking that way? Should you be drinking that or smoking that? Should you be eating that or, or acting like that or, 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 or doing this type of thing? I mean, how many, how many guys here, when you were in the world, weren't held accountable by a bunch of other guys? If it wasn't to, hey, look at that, look how hot that is. And if you didn't look, what's wrong with you, dude? You got a screw loose, you can't look at a girl? You know, or, oh man, you got to see so-and-so, she's like this and she's like that and I did this and I did that and, you know, and Sally was this and, 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 and if you didn't say nothing, what's wrong with you, man? You know, or, hey man, we're going out for, we're going out to, uh, we're going out to go have a few beers after work. Well, I got to get home to my wife. What, your wife? <laughs> what, are you, are you, are you, are you whipped, buddy? Sound familiar to anybody here? So we've been being held accountable all our lives. Women! You know, oh, you know, my husband and I, we, we had a, you know, we had a, an argument last night. And, and didn't you tell him a thing or two about a thing or two? And didn't you, did you see the way she looked at you? Did you see what she's wearing today? And what, you know, and, and when you turn away and you don't want to talk about it, what's wrong with you? Don't you care? Don't you, don't you see the way, she, don't you know what she thinks about you? Don't you know what they say about you? And so we've been, folks, we've been being held accountable all our lives. What makes it any different when we become Christians except for the fact that unlike the world that is basically, it's misery that enjoys company, okay? Why is it that when we become Christians, all of a sudden we become lone rangers with Jesus? Oh, dude, I saw him the other day and he was going out with this girl and they were just, you know, all over each other in public over there. And I mean, he's an usher at the church. You know, did you say anything to him, bro? Oh, no, man, I can't, I can't get involved in that. That's not my business. What do you mean? If it were you and him and her, you know, and you were out in the world, you'd be asking him, well, how often were you doing this or that tour? And he'd be telling you. But now that you're Christians, now that you're believers, now that you're part of a family, now that you're to bear one another's burdens, and now that you're to love each other, and you're to, and you're to share with each other, and you're to show the love of Christ to one another, because of His sake, you can't call someone out and say, hey man, you know, I, I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying, but I saw you the other day at the restaurant over there, and you know, you and your girl look like you're getting pretty into it, you know, and I don't know if that would be appropriate if somebody kind of came and saw you at church on Sunday ushering <laughs> and, her, and her up in the choir. You see, oh, mind your own business. Well, listen, I, dude, I told you. I mean, I just, I'm not telling you to get into your business. And that, see, that's the key right there is it's not to get into people's business. It's not to be a busybody. Oh, I'm a sin sniffer. Sinner. Christian sinner. <laughs> I'm going to read you your mail now. No. It's a matter of really understanding that, hey, dude, I really care about what's going on and about our Lord and Savior and what we both committed to do. And I certainly hope that if I'm ever in a situation such as the one I've seen you in right now, where it compromises the name of our Lord and Savior, not just mine, but ours, that you would call me to accountability and you'd say, hey, Mikey, listen, man, I saw you the other day and it didn't look like this or like that or like the other. 
But I was talking about the Galatians. Last scriptures here. Henry, why don't you read us Galatians chapter 5, verse 4, 5, and 6. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. The Galatian church was having a problem with a bunch of different doctrines. You know, and of course, today, in today's church, we have problems with doctrines as well. Oh, thou shalt do this, and thou shalt not do that, and thou... And and basically what he's talking about here is that you've been severed from it. Once you you say, I'm going to live by works and not by faith, you basically said, Christ doesn't matter what Christ died for because I'm going to do it myself. I've got this little group of laws that I'm going to live by. You see? And I'm going to just do it myself and I'm going to work it out myself. And even though we may not realize that we're doing it, go to anybody who's a non-believer who has not received the revelation of Jesus Christ just yet and ask him, if you died this afternoon... Why would God let you into heaven? Heck, ask them first. Do you think you'd go to heaven? How many people do you think would tell you, no way, dude, I'm going straight to hell? Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. Amen. Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. And when you ask them why they think they're going to heaven, what do they tell you? Well, I'm a good person. I'm nice to people. I walked a little old lady across the street. I give a dollar at the church in the basket. You know, I, 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 you know, whatever, 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 whatever. What are they doing? They're living by their own little sense of religion, their own little idolatry, their own little God that they've created. See, God fits in their box and they're doing it their way. So when they get, and and what trips me out is how many of them are going to get up there and God's going to say, well, why should I let you in? Well, you know, I helped three little old ladies across the street and I'm a nice guy. And God says, really? Well, look up there on the big screen. Let's see how nice a guy you are. Because see, the scripture says that the books will be opened. And those who are not in the Lamb's book of life shall be judged. You see? And what does that mean that you'll be judged? It means that you're going to have to pay for every one of those things because you didn't accept the grace. And that also goes for those people who walked in, got saved in a born-again, spirit-filled experience, and went back to their religiosity. Went back to praying to those saints. Uh Uh-oh. Went back to going to this one special place on a one special day. Went back confessing their sins to this one special man. Wait a minute. Weren't you born again? Aren't you spirit-filled? Didn't you feel the anointing of Christ? Don't you know that you were sealed by the Holy Spirit? You belong to Christ. You don't belong to any religious system. You don't belong to any denomination. You don't belong to any church. You don't belong to any organization. You belong to the Lord Almighty, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave His life for you. Amen? And though there is no circumcision. There is no circumcision. Circumcision is the way, I mean, you guys know what circumcision is, so I won't go into the gory details. But circumcision and non-circumcision was a way for the Jew 
to differentiate himself from the non-believer back in the day. Okay? And basically Christ said, hey, listen, that doesn't really matter because what we're looking for is a circumcision of the heart. Let's, let's clear the heart up, man. Let's get rid of the, of the, 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 the skin around the heart that, that, that clouds it from actually feeling what it needs to feel and knowing what it needs to know, which is the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. Walk away from this message today understanding that your salvation is yours for the asking, it's yours for the taking, and it's yours for the keeping. No one is going to take it away from you. Christ will never kick you out of His kingdom. The only one that can walk out of that kingdom is you. The only one that can damage your relationship with Christ is you willfully, continuously, trampling on the blood of Jesus. And anyone, I believe, who's received a true revelation and has a deep, deep relationship with Christ, an ongoing daily prayer life, an ongoing daily reading of the Scripture, an ongoing daily conversation in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. You can't do it, man. Because once you've known the love of the Master, there's no love that this world could ever offer you, carnal or otherwise, that could ever equal that love. Amen? Amen. Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day, and we give you thanks and praise for your very clear message today. Lord, we thank you for that gift of salvation that you've given us, and Lord, we pray for those that don't know you today, Lord, to receive you, Father. Father, make yourself real to them, call to them, Lord, woo them in these last days. Father, send your Holy Spirit to let man know that you love him, that you sent your only son for him. Lord, use us as instruments, as your mouthpiece, as your battle axe to go through this war field we call a world, Lord. Lord, to redeem those that are lost, to bring them into the knowing, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, use us today. Use us tomorrow. Use us next week. Use us all the time. Use our lives. Use any example you can in our lives, Lord, to show your awesomeness, your greatness, your kindness, your mercy, and your love for your children. Father, we give you thanks and praise. Be with us this week as we go forth. Lord, let us be a witness to others. And Lord, uh, just uh, bless our comings and going. Open the doors that you'd like us to walk through and close those that you would rather we not go through and seal them shut with the blood of Jesus. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.